you got to be okay with failing some along the way because there's always risk. I mean, forget about it if you think there's something that's just safe. But I say it all the time. Just get started. Is God calling you away from the mission field so you could go into business to support those who are in the mission field? Welcome back to the Riskers podcast. Today, we welcome J.W. Oliver, managing partner of ZimWorks. JW has started multiple businesses. Some have failed. Some have gone on to great success. I met JW at a creative church conference in Dallas and joined him on his podcast several months ago. Whether you are looking to start your own business or broaden your horizons through seeing the world like the world traveling JW Oliver, I know you'll get actionable insight from today's podcast. I hope that you have your phone or notepad because you will get some real gold nuggets in this podcast. So the big question is this, how do Jesus loving entrepreneurs, pastors, and driven men and women of faith like us who are taking risks to pursue their kingdom calling, how do we get our mission, the problem we're working to solve, the pain we're striving to heal, how do we fully realize it here on earth? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Caleb Brakey, and welcome to the Riskers Podcast. Everybody, welcome J.W. Oliver to the Riskers Podcast. I met J.W. Oliver at a conference in Dallas, uh, probably, what, a year or two ago. It was wonderful. I still remember uh, having multiple conversations with you during that conference. And then uh, you hosted me on your podcast later after we had a few post-conference meetups, JW. And you have been risking since you were a kid, since selling pet rocks out of your locker room or out of your locker <laughs> at school uh, to starting up uh, over a dozen businesses. And also you have walked this vital line of business and ministry and navigating it in a way that is so honoring to God. And that is what I want to dive into. How about first, JW, you do tell us a little bit more about you, about your travels, about that, you know, kid who is selling, you know, pop rocks out of his locker. Yeah. uh, You know, and I don't know, you know, you look back on where that was inspired from and uh, you know, you always try to figure out, well, pinpoint where that came from. I mean, my father was military for 20 years. He was a carpenter. Uh, My mother was a stay at home. Uh, uh, They divorced when I was very young. And and so I don't, I I really think I was probably initially motivated by money. You know, we've grew up very poor. Uh, We, we qualified for all kinds of food subsidies and government programs. And my mom had myself and three older sisters and and so I, I think there was something in in eight when I, in eight in your mind where you looked at people and said, "Wow, how do they have that big house?" or "How do their parents drive that nice car?" or "Man, they have a swimming pool in their backyard," or "Man, they have two pair of tennis shoes." You know, little things like that just set off. And and uh, so I think it was about you know when talking about selling pop rocks, my my uh, I brought some pop rocks to school one day, and I don't know they were a nickel a packet or something back then. I was in I was in the eighth grade, and uh, and, and people would say, hey, give me some of your Pop Rocks. And I'd say, well, they're 25 cents. And they were like, I got 25 cents. And I thought, man, I turned a nickel into 25 cents. So my sister went and <laughs> bought me a, I had a really high profit margin because my sister bought me the boxes and I never paid her back and I just sold the Pop Rocks. So uh, <laughs> my, 
I had a hundred percent or a thousand percent, whatever that would be. I had no cost of goods. That's for sure. But, uh, you know, I, yeah, I think getting started, uh, and, and let me first say, you know, people talk about this, you talk about being in a dozen businesses and, and, and I probably, if, if it was a dozen, I, I probably had nine of them fail. And I think that's part of that growing, you know, the maturation process with what you're doing is, is understanding that failure is just a part of that. You know, uh, uh, Zig Ziglar used to say, uh, uh, failure is an event, not a person. And mm-hmm. uh, I, I love that. And John Maxwell's failing forward. So I think centering around that was something that motivated me was maybe just to initially have more than, than I had was, was probably my initial motivation. I love that. And, and it's funny. It was like, we can start in one place and God specializes in moving us to a different place. Oh man. If, you know, if we were to look and say, well, how did you start? And and I could imagine that that some Christians would be like, well, I don't want to tell them the real reason. Well, it's because of money or because I want more. But like this is isn't I was talking with someone else on the on the podcast, and it's just the idea of we have this biblical amnesia of the type of people God uses. And and I mean the list, we've got this horrible list of motivations. But JW, you start with money, you start with saying, Hey, I've had nine businesses fail, like this is the most beautiful place to start if you are a follower of Christ because he doesn't use the perfect person. He doesn't use the person without blemishes. He likes to use people he can show off and say, look at what I've done with J.W. Oliver. So let's go to the next step in the story. Uh, initially, you start as a kid. Hey, you make some money. You want a little bit more in your life. You had businesses that fail, but you've come a long way and your motivations are very different now. Yeah, I, I think so. You know, and I'd, I'd be remiss to say that it's not great to be able to provide for your family and start to, you know, and you live in a nice home and we can travel and do some things. But yeah, the motivation became different when, uh, you know, there was a, a, a Howard Hughes said years ago, you know, how, how much is enough? And I think he said just one more dollar. And you know, you get to a point where you realize, well, that's not right. I mean, that's that's insane because what more can I want to do? So for me, it was, uh, you and I have talked about, uh, again, gone through all kinds of, of, of issues and, and had failures and had successes. Uh, the, 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 one, the, only, the only thing I know I've been successful at is my marriage, 27 years. And so I, I stand on that, that, hey, she stood by me through all those failures as well. So uh, I'll give her the props and the kudos for that. But Amen. Yeah, I would, I, I think, you know, talking about what happens, you know, you start to evolve in your business, you, you're, you're finding some success, you realize that it's not about the money. And, and uh, I went to Haiti many years ago, I think it was 2011 was my first year to go. And I felt this tug that God was calling me or I, I, I made up the tug, I think that man, I just need to sell everything and move down here. And as I prayed about that, uh, it, it was clear that God was telling me that no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't need you to come down here and help. I've got missionaries. I've got people on the ground. I need resources. And so it really was a was a a, a light for me to realize that God needed people to be able to be like the talents, right? The, the guy who took the ten talents and, and you know and they was able to or the guy who took the talents and was able to invest them and multiply them. And so. For me, it was that. And then also you, you and I just talked about using imperfect people. And wow, do I ever fall in that category? And so, you know, understanding that he can use anybody and then that you can use your business 
and we've kind of come full circle now where uh, now uh, my partner and I are giving away 51% of our profits. And it seems like that God just keeps blessing us with uh, our ability to, to work in the marketplace, uh, but not, maybe not because of it, but because we're able to utilize those resources too. How have you really seen this played out in your businesses? So, so you go to Haiti and you say, man, I, I feel like I'm supposed to be here, but then God says, no, 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 no. I need you to do business. But your business is so connected to your ministry. I've seen your team. I've seen the people you've served. I've seen the people that you have extended jobs to. I've seen the work being produced. I've seen the companies being serviced by your companies. And on top of that, giving 51% back into ministry. What are some of your favorite stories that you've seen come out of your business? Yeah, you know, that that's an amazing point. I guess I, I've never even pointed that to myself, but just a bunch of them flood into my mind. You take Haiti as an example, started going to that orphanage in 2011. So fast forward nine years, rather than just going to orphanages, I felt like we need to do something bigger than that than just love on the kids and hand out candy and then come back in six months or four months and do this all over again. So what we began to do was say, you know, the need was when they left the orphanage, they needed some sort of sustainable income. So we said, well, let's put them into some program where they can go to the university level, et cetera. So right now, we've got uh, uh, one that's uh, in medical school in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we support him on an annualized basis. He's in his uh, fourth year of seven years of medical school, and he's going to be a, a doctor. And, to, you know, that's just amazing. Here's a kid that was in the orphanage. Now he's going to be a doctor. We've got one that's finished with a nursing program, one that finished with a computer, um, uh, computer repair slash technician type business there in Haiti. Uh, we've got another that finished her agronomy or agricultural, uh, kind of an engineering degree. So we've seen that benefit in Haiti. And if we would have just continued down that mode, or if I would have moved to Haiti, I, I wouldn't have had the resources to be able to contribute to what they're doing. Um, and then you take it to today, some of the stories, I mean, wow. Uh, during the COVID, as an example, as, as you probably are aware, there's a lot of poverty that's been generated uh, or that's that's actually uh, uh, appeared because of people's ability to lack of trade. You know, in the U.S., we have government programs and a lot of people can make it through it. But you take Zimbabwe, where we're at, the COVID put them in a position where they were not able to go into town to trade their goods and uh, be able to make money to feed their family. So this through the through the COVID, there was about five months. We partnered with the Chinga Ose Association, and because of our resources. Uh, we were able to feed about 320 to 350 families every month for about wow. four or five months. I mean, there's people starving. There's people literally starving. And so we were able to do that. We're, we're currently working on uh, uh, building a water well and finishing some buildings for an orphanage in, in Harare. We partner with, with Global Action. Uh, Global Action, uh, who I serve with as well, our profits have been able to go to global action and, and next year we'll train 1900 leaders in some difficult places around the world, uh, anywhere from Central America to, to, to India to uh, Cuba. We've got a big ministry in Cuba, by the way, and we're training people who are transforming their communities for the gospel. So yeah, it's been interesting that, that we've been able to utilize this and the stories can just continue to flow about how we've been able to, to help people uh, with our proceeds from our business. So you're, you're hundred percent right. I, that would have never happened had I just said, 
let me move to Haiti and be a missionary for sure. Wow. Do you ever have those moments where you do step back and go, God, wow, look what you did. I mean, I, as a business owner, it's kind of easy to just put your head down and then you, you forget to look up and see what the, the picture that God's painting. Do you, do you ever give yourself time to do that? I, I probably like talking to you more than anybody because you bring out these moments that I tend to forget about. But occasionally I do get into a mode where I, where I think about it. And usually it happens when I go to, when I go to Harare uh, there in Zimbabwe to, I go to our office there. Uh, when you see people who are very appreciative of the jobs they have, you know, we work in a place where there's 80%, that's eight zero percent of unemployment rates. And so by providing these jobs, we look at it as it provides them a job. Uh, we're, we're really connecting people in these places and hard places with people in the U.S. who very much appreciate the cost savings, but then they're getting these university-educated people who, who speak perfect English. They sound like they're from London. Uh, you've heard some of them speak, mm-hmm. and uh, they're able to provide these services. But that's that's a piece of it. So that's the that's the money-making piece. You know, we're able to be the conduit. They make some money. We make a profit, we give it back, but the impact it has on their lives, you know, they are able to support their families. They're able to support extended families. Maybe they're able to, uh, we had one gentleman who just purchased a new home and he said he'd never be able to purchase a home. So we see that in action, but you're right. Um, No, I, I have to say, I don't do that enough, but at least I'm smart enough now to say, look what God's doing, not what I'm doing, because I know I have very little to do with it. I'm just a conduit. And, and so that's very uh, humbling to actually be in a position where God has empowered you to utilize his ministry or, or, or his direction to do ministry in those places. So, no, you're, you're right. And, and, you know, when you think about we've got over 200, almost 250 people there now, and, and, and our, we've got a long-term goal of about 3,000 to provide jobs, and, it, and it's happening fast. But yeah, it's it's extremely humbling, to say the least. Wow. Before we go further, I want to take a quick break and tell you about the publishing expertise offered by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we help men and women of faith become powerfully positioned to impact lives by collaboratively writing their book and building their ministry platform. If you've longed to write your book and impact a broader audience, our team is here to help even if you don't have the time or energy to write. We've helped riskers like you secure traditional book deals, hit numerous bestseller lists, keynote to 100,000 people in two years, and get featured on Entrepreneur on Fire, Forbes, and Inc. Schedule a free strategy call at www.calebrakey.com. A question I had for you is, you know, when you say it out loud, you know, hey, we have these people here and the people who have need are in this country and the people who can provide are in this country. I think it's, it's, it's pretty easy to put that on a napkin on a, on a business plan. And I think there's a lot of people out there saying, I see this need and I see this way to fill it. But how in the world do you even start walking in a vision like that and have it <laughs> blossom the way it has for your own companies? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would definitely say it never is, uh, at least for me, it's not. It's never been, uh, you know, I'm going to get a piece of paper out and I'm going to draw me up a business and let me just think of a business to go in. It's always been through a relationship. And I could go back to 
um, you know, in college when I was first uh, getting started in uh, an imaging equipment business, all the way to what I'm doing now with ZimWorks. And, and we've seen that transformation. But typically, Caleb, it's been uh, God gives you a vision through a relationship. So I'll give you a, a quick example on how we're in Africa. I wasn't looking for another job. I was I was running my business in the uh, medical dental imaging company. And um, uh, we actually had resisted going to uh, uh, it was a National Center for Fathering. We went to their annual marriage retreat and we never did go. And a good friend of mine, uh, Carrie Casey, who uh, uh, ran uh, FCA and National Center for Fathering, he actually kept saying, come on, you need to go. You need to go. You need to go. And so I kept putting off God going. I finally went. And it was a great marriage conference. I mean, first of all, that was a great benefit. And uh, we ended up going subsequent years after that. But during that time, we decided to stay later. We met uh, Ken, who's now my partner in, in Africa. He lived in Harare. And uh, we hit it off with he and his wife. And we ended up you know, staying in contact with him. And he said, you know, hey, we got a lot of really able people in Zimbabwe that need jobs. Uh, and I'm like, well, let's come up with something. So that's a short version of how we got started. And we, we began, you know, kind of worked out of the garage to start with. And then we've expanded now into a high rise. But Caleb, it was really about relationship. And then secondly, it was moving forward. It was making a decision to step forward in faith and to do something. I think that's what really holds people back in their business is they look at the reward and see it's great. And they say, ah, there is some risk because there's always risk. I mean, forget about it if you think there's something that's just safe, but you got to be okay with failing some along the way. And then you have to have the ability to keep moving forward. But you're right. Take that idea. But I say it all the time. Just get started. You, you know, just just get started. The worst thing we do, whether it's writing a book or whether it's uh, starting a business or whether it's asking that girl to marry you. Man, I married way over my head, but I finally just broke down and said, I'm just going to ask her. And, you know, she said yes. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there's there's times where you have to just say, I got to move forward. I got to take that step. And for sure, business is exactly like that. I love that you said I didn't sit down with a piece of paper and get my business plan. It started Absolutely with not. who do I know and 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 how can we how can I serve? Uh that is just what an amazing piece of advice for those who are listening right now who are looking to fill a gap in the world or looking for that opportunity, their break, it might just be found right there in your relationships. You know, instead of writing a business plan, maybe write down the names of those people that you know and those people you might be able to take out for coffee and talk with them and and dive deeper into that relationship. That is a huge nugget of gold right there. I would be remiss not to ask you about your travels. What have you gained from that in terms of your perspective, in terms of your ability to risk? I think that with a growing perspective, your ability to risk grows as well because the bubble that we're in gets bigger or it just pops all yeah. together and you see the whole world. You see maybe the world a little bit more like God sees it. Tell me a huge question, how travel has impacted you? Oh man, I, I would I would say, you know, as a, as a kid, we didn't, uh, and I say very poor, we were very poor. You know, I, I found my mother's 1974 tax return and she had four kids at home by herself and made $3,600. And I look back on that going, 
okay, how did we put food on the table? You know, we had family and things, but to answer your question, I, I, by traveling, and we never did as a kid, I got to travel more and more, as, especially in the last 10 or 12 years. Uh, I think it brought, I brought some empathy for other people because you were able to see how more people lived. And it also um, brought you some more reality in that how blessed we are here in the U.S. I mean, even through this COVID mess that we've gone through, even through everything we have, you know, we're really in pretty good shape. So the traveling has done two things. It brought me the, the awareness of, of how the rest of the world really lives. And, uh, and I've been in a, a lot of places and I've seen a varying degree of, 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 of poverty and a, and a varying degree of wealth, you know, on both sides. And so it's, it's brought that and then it's brought empathy and it's really made me more, um, uh, probably accountable to, to God's will for us to disciple and to make disciples, you know, Matthew 20, 18, go therefore and make disciples. And that I was able to realize that sometimes making disciples is just doing things by example. And so by traveling, seeing these other places, it, it made me real. It also made me realize how many hundreds of thousands of businesses there are out there and how many opportunities there are. And kind of going back to what you said about meeting people, you know, Caleb, um, if you don't know what you need to do, just write down five people that you either admire, you like that they run a business, you, you think they have a cool job, they live in a cool house, they travel a lot, uh, and just say, you know, I want to go to lunch with you. I, could, could I get 30 minutes of your time? And from those meetings, I promise you, God will plant something in your heart to say, hey, why don't you do this? Have you ever thought about doing that? And, and then those kind of things will begin to come to fruition. Man, that's powerful and actionable. Uh, I hope listeners are writing th- this down. And, I, and normally, I'm not even looking for that, but this, this is really lending, its, lending itself to some real actionable items for those people who are feeling that, that nudge, that kingdom calling, whatever it is that God's calling them to step into. All right, last thing I wanted to dive in with you, JW, and it's come up a couple times already. It is your wife, Lori. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about being married <laughs> to a risk taker and what that means and the challenges <laughs> that brings, and I'm sure the fights that it has caused. Ooh. Well, you nailed it. Uh, we are complete opposites. In more than one way, I, I married a, 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 a gorgeous wife who loves me unconditionally. She's not goal-driven. She's not uh, a risk taker. You know, she's she could be just as happy sitting in front of the fire petting the dog as she could traveling to uh, Africa on a safari or going to our office there. So it has been wonderful, though, because she has been able to reel me in on many occasions. And, and actually, we, we laugh. There's been a couple of businesses where I've where I came home and said, hey, I, I, this guy wants me to invest in this business. I think I'm going to do it. And she said, well, that's a bad idea, it sounds like. And both times it's been, well, how'd that work out for you? And I'm just like, oh. So I think it's definitely, it's a it's, it's a completely complimentary to have Lori who who does reel me in, who does keep me level and grounded. And, you know, I can run something by her and I get a very, uh, well, you know, sometimes I'm like, did, did you hear the question I had? And she's always thinking through before she gives me an answer, which is the opposite of what I do. I'm open my mouth to give you the answer before the question's been finished. So 
she's extremely good. So having her for these 27 years has been just a blessing and continues to be that as well. We were uh, at a Oktoberfest fire pit not long ago. And one of the greatest honors uh, my wife, Brittany, has done for me recently was said, you know, who's that one person who's helped shape you? And, and she talked about me, which I was like, okay, that, that almost seems like unfair. Like you can't talk about your spouse, but she did. And it meant so much to me. And I realized, yes, I've helped her become a certain way, but looking at my life and what it might be without her, nothing but failure, like a square tire. <laughs> God has this way of using relationships to help balance Amen. each other out and to help get us to where he wants us to be as a, as a person, but also what he wants us to accomplish in life. So praise God for marriages. It sounds like you've gone to some cool marriage conferences, and that's always a must if you are looking to continue to grow in that relationship and have someone guide you. We take our cars for an oil change every three months, but we never check in on our marriages or we can fall into that trap. So another encouragement to all who are risking or have that call from God, like be on the same page with your spouse and pour into each other because you're going to need both of you. That's my everyday hardest goal. You know, my wife and I actually did a little, uh, one of the little daily devotionals today, and it said three important things is always speaking love to each other and lifting each other up. Don't bring them down with your words. The second one was having empathy for your, your spouse so you can stand in their shoes for a minute. But the last one was championing dreams. And it said, if your wife has a dream or you have a dream, you need to champion and build each other up and help support those dreams. And, and so I think it's important. You will have a miserable business career if you have a miserable marriage, I'm confident of that. And mm -hmm. so I think make sure you don't get those priorities, God, your wife, and then everything else. Mm, I love that. JW, you serve quite a few different types of people in business and in ministry. And so for those who are listening right now, who do you serve best? Well, we, we, we're quite different in our business and it's ZimWorks. It's Z-I-M-W-O-R-X. Uh, com. So Z-I-M-W-O-R-X.com. And we, we're quite different. What we do is we, we call it a win-win-win. We provide uh, a win for the businesses. They typically can save about 70% on their cost for payroll by adding a person who's, you know, speaks English, university educated, works the same hours. Uh, it's a win for the person getting the job because they can support their families. And then it's a win for the ministries because we've committed to give 51% back. We have a big segment in the medical dental space where we work with medical and dental offices and you know insurance and scheduling and, and, and collections and bookkeeping. But we've got everything from marketing companies that use us for digital marketing and social media to web development to people who use us for accounting, you know, payroll services. But the key is you get a full-time person working for you. So if Susie or Dave works for you in our office there, it's the same person who works for you every day. So you get to know them, you get to invest in their lives, you begin to know a little bit about each other. So uh, yeah, zimworks.com, support DDS is one of our branches, support CPA is a piece of it. Uh, we, we've got an awesome ministry. You know, I, I tell people a lot of times what we do and how we do it, but I always sometimes forget to tell them why we do it. And it really is about the ministry aspect. So I think it's important to know why we do what we do. What an incredible thing. And the <laughs> fact that you get to work with an employee, well, maybe starting your own business when finances are tight and, and yet you get to provide a full-time living for someone who's loving their work. You get to, to get your own business under you because you can cut those overhead costs a little bit and work with the same person. It's like building your own team 
in your backyard, especially in this this post-COVID, mostly work by Zoom anyway. What an awesome thing that you're doing to support, uh, whether it be a startup person, maybe a new CPA, maybe a dental office that's feeling the crunch right now. Yeah. Awesome, JW. Um, well, and I think I, I think you nailed it. I think the key is I wish I would have had these resources in a number of my businesses that either failed or struggled because a lot of people won't start a business because they're thinking, well, you know, I need a bookkeeper and I need somebody to help me with some graphics and I need somebody to help me with outbound calling or whatnot. And, you know, you can get into that and you may be able to hire three or even possibly four people for what one would cost you. So it does open up opportunities for startups as well. Absolutely. Incredible. JW, thank you so much for joining me on the Riskers podcast, brother. I'm sure I'm going to have to have you again sometime because we've just scratched the surface of the knowledge of the insight. Brother, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Caleb. And as I tell people, just get started. Thank you for listening to the Riskers podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Speak It to Book and Sermon to Book, where we're on a mission to teach kingdom-minded men and women how to write, publish, and market best-selling books and build world-class platforms. To learn more, go to www.calebrakey.com.